Wow. Love that song. If you've never heard the story behind it, boy, you ought to, you ought to look up the story. I won't tell it this morning, but it's a tremendous, tremendous story that goes behind that song. 1 Samuel chapter 17. In your Bibles, I'm so glad you're here today. I appreciate you uh, coming and being a part of the service today. If you're visiting, we're so glad you're here this morning. 1 Samuel 17, when you find your places, uh, if, you would remind, if you'd stand, if you're able, if you're able, that is. We're going to read uh, more scripture than we normally read on a Sunday morning, but uh, I believe this is the direction the Lord has led us to go, and, and sometimes it's good for us to read a little bit more scripture. Uh, homiletically speaking, I guess you're not supposed to read a lot of scripture before you preach, um, but I don't know who wrote that homiletical law, but uh, but this is what the Lord told me to do. So First uh, Samuel chapter 17, we're going to begin in verse 31, and we're going to read through several verses today. Uh, you know the story well. This is the story of David and Goliath. We're going to pick the story up in verse number 31. The Bible says, and when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed him before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him. And delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go. He uh, battled about going, for the Bible says he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand, and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. He was, he was a redhead. David was. And not only that, but he was handsome. He was a young man. He was a handsome. He was a, a good-looking fellow. And the Bible says in verse 43, And the Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. That's what you call talking junk right there. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. Now, I want to tell you right now, I'm going to get to the preaching here in just a minute. 
Well, this is such a great story, man. It just preaches itself. And may I just say in that last verse, the psychological warfare has already begun. And, uh, and so look, if you will, at verse number 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass, I love this verse, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Y'all mind if I put a few little commercials in here this morning? You have got to think, you've got to think at least that this giant has never seen this before. And so here he is, he's defied the whole army of Israel. And the Bible says that King Saul is head and shoulders above all of his men. He's a big fella. And they're all shaking in their boots. And Goliath has got them totally intimidated. And all of a sudden, here comes this handsome little Hebrew kid walking out. He does not have any armor on, doesn't have a sword. And the Bible says that he begin, he runs, not away from the army, but he runs toward Goliath. Now look at verse number 49. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. And one scholar said, there's no way that could have happened. That really what it was is David hit him in the knee. <laughs> and that forehead there means knee. I don't know. I know this. He hit him in the forehead if the Bible says he hit him in the forehead. The Bible says in verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. I love this last phrase, but there was no sword in the hand of David. You may be seated this morning and just for a few moments, I want to talk to you a little bit about this subject, this is going to be sort of an expository type message. We're just going to work our way down through here and just uh, just pull out a few things out of the scripture. But I want to talk to you about David's concealed weapon. Uh, a lot of talk today about concealed weapons. And, uh, and uh, I don't know that David had a concealed weapons permit. I guess he did not. Uh, but I'll guarantee you this, he had a concealed weapon oh, yeah. that Goliath did not know about. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that subject today. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time and ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you. What a great service it's been. What a great spirit. Lord, thank you for the great music. And uh, Lord, just the excitement that's in the air and just the spirit of worship that's in the air. And Lord, how we've been reminded numerous times today that you're a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And God, that you care about us and that you love us. And, Lord, that's very evident in this story in 1 Samuel chapter 17 that you cared deeply for David and that, Lord, you were watching over him. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll help all these thoughts, and I have several this morning, but I pray that you help all these thoughts that you've given me in study. I pray that you help them to come back to my mind in a fresh way, and I pray that I'll be able to share them 
uh, Lord, with uh, the power and the authority, no, not of a man, but the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray for your power, your blessing. We want to lift up Jesus, and we want to be a blessing to these church folk today. And so help us, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. And I just started the, the, the sermon with this statement, finally, someone has come to confront Goliath from the armies of Israel. This has been going on for days. It's been going on for days. They've set the battle in array, the Bible says. And the Bible says that Goliath comes out. He's this huge fella. He's practically 10 feet tall. He's, uh, he's abnormal. He, he doesn't look like anything you've ever seen. He's fierce. And the Bible says that Goliath comes out and he, uh, you know, uh, comes out before the army and he says, I tell you what we'll do. He said, we will strike up a deal. And he said, you send a man from Israel and I'll fight him. I'm from the Philistines and you send one of your men from the Israelites. And he said, we'll go, go to battle. And he said, whoever kills the other, uh, those people will be the other servant. And so uh, this has been going on for days. And the Bible says basically that nobody in the Israeli army wants to go up against Goliath. David, as we learned Wednesday night, uh, just comes as an errand boy. His daddy has sent him to the, to the battle. And he's brought a, a care package to his brothers. And he's brought a, a little care package of cheeses. Uh, to the uh, captain of the thousands there. But while David is there, he hears this Philistine defying the armies of God and defying God. And, and David begins to, begins to ask about it. Well, uh, you know what? Word begins to spread and uh, nobody wants to go fight Goliath. And so word begins to spread and makes, all, uh, makes its way all the way back to King Saul. And they said, Saul, 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 there's, a, there's this young man here. And, uh, and he is, uh, he's saying that he'll, he'll, he'll go fight Goliath. And so uh, Saul sends for David. And David comes. I don't know if this is exactly what Saul was expecting when all of a sudden little David, oh, I remember this little kid. He's the guy that plays the harp when I get in a bad way. And uh, he's just a little shepherd boy. He's Jesse's son. And, and, uh, and I don't think that's probably what uh, Saul was expecting. But David uh, ends up going out to, to fight Goliath. And uh, interesting, the Bible tells us that when Goliath sees this little shepherd boy named David that, uh, that he's insulted He's insulted. And he says, what am I? He said, here we've been putting this battle in array for days and days and days. And he said, this is the best you got. He said, you're going to send out a little shepherd boy, a little, uh, little good-looking, handsome Hebrew kid. You're going to send him out to us. And uh, Goliath counts himself as some great champion. Pride go up before fall, by the way. But he counts himself as some great champion and a great warrior. But this is the message. I submit that when Goliath looked David over, he identified the wrong item as David's weapon. You'll notice uh, evidently Goliath was looking at David's staff. Now this is not what David's staff looked like. David's staff probably was a a standard shepherd's staff, and it probably had a crook on the end of it, and probably uh, probably one end was somewhat pointed and sharp. And uh, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, Miss Laura Lee, bless her heart, she made me this uh, years ago, and I loved it to this day. It sits at the front door of our house uh, every day. And uh, but here comes this little shepherd boy, and the Bible says that he grabs his staff. He comes out to uh, to Goliath, and evidently Goliath begins to look at that staff. And he thinks that that is David's weapon. 
Now, uh, I want to draw your, your attention to the scripture this morning. Look, if you will, in verse number 40. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 40, the Bible says, talking about David, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. Now you'll notice verse number 43. The Bible says, And the Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? By the way, the word staff in verse number 40 and the word staves in verse number 43 is the exact same Hebrew word. Uh, they pronounced them different, being a Hebrew and a Philistine, but they are the exact same word. And so the Bible says before David came to the battle that he grabbed a stick, he grabbed a staff. And the Bible says when he came out before Goliath that Goliath noticed that staff and he was insulted that they would send somebody out to him with a little stick. Now, I would say this too real quickly uh, this morning. You know what? David knew how to use that staff. He knew how to use it. In fact, I was studying this week, and they tell us that, uh, that oftentimes the shepherds, they would uh, shepherd large flocks. Sometimes uh, uh, the youths would have young, and sometimes those young would get separated from their mother, not able to nurse. Well, the shepherd could not go over and pick that little, little lamb up. If he did, he transferred his smell to the lamb. And when he took that lamb and tried to put it with the mother, with the ewe, uh, she would reject it because it had human smell on it. They said that the shepherd knew how to use his staff so well that he was able to pick up that little newborn lamb with his staff, never touch it, and he was able to slide that little lamb over right into the bosom of its mother. He knew how to do it, brother. He knew how to use it. Now that, uh, he used that staff. Sometimes the sheep would try to stray. Sometimes they would try to make their way out of the flock and so that, that uh, shepherd would come uh, to the sheep and it would poke those sheep and it would get them back into the flock. Oh, there's so many ways we could preach this this morning. But we notice that Goliath looks at the staff. What Goliath did not see was concealed. You see, the truth of the matter is what Goliath should have been focusing on was a rock and not a stick. You see, the stone was David's real defense. And I don't have time to preach all this this morning, but the Lord gave me this thought. When that rock was concealed, you know what? It didn't help until the rock came out. And when that rock came out of its script, it literally changed David's life. And I thought about that hymn that says, Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. And on that day, they took our rock down off the cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb and they slid that rock upon that tomb. But I'm glad that the stone didn't stay in the hole. I'm glad the stone didn't stay in the grave. And brother, when that stone came out of the grave, guess what? It'll change your life and it'll change mine. We notice that David first tried the weapons of the world. Did y'all see that? Look, if you will, at verse number 38. The Bible says, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Now, can you see this? I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to envision this. Saul is huge. He's a big guy. And here Saul is trying to put this armor on a little teenage boy. I mean, a little... Adolescent, if you will. 
I can see that helmet falling down into David's eyes, and he has to keep pushing it up, you know. And I like uh, if you've ever had a hat, daddies, you had a little boy, and you put your big hat on your little boy, that hat falls down. Uh, and, uh, and here David is. Uh, Saul's trying to put his armor on him. The Bible says, and David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And I thought about this. The armor of Saul made David look good, but it hindered him. You see, the armor was what Saul was depending on. And Saul was out of God's will. The armor was what Saul was depending on. But David knew that he could not depend on what Saul was depending on. David would have looked the part, but David quite simply would have ended up dead. And I thought about this. A lot of people today are trying to look the part. There's a lot of people that have some armor. A lot of people have a staff. A lot of people are leaning. A lot of people are leaning on this and that, trying to get to heaven. Well, you know what, preacher? I, I've got the staff of I'm a good citizen. I think that'll get me there. A preacher, I've got the staff of, of I'm a I'm a charter member at a certain certain church. I believe that'll get me there. A preacher, I'm a, I'm a good mom. I'm a good dad. I'm I'm leaning on that staff. I think that'll get me there. And that this is all I'm saying, brother. If David had went out in that armor, he never would have succeeded in winning the victory. And as long as you're depending on anything other than the rock, as long as you're depending on anything other than the stone of all stones, did you know you'll never make it to glory? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 42, Jesus saith unto them, did you ever read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. Acts chapter four and verse number 10, the Bible says, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Ephesians chapter three, uh, Ephesians chapter two and verse number 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, that's all I'm saying. David was depending on a stone. He was depending on a rock. And thank God that rock gave David his victory. That concealed weapon, not the staff, not the armor, not a helmet, not a coat of mail. That stone, that little rock, that, that, that stone is what gave David his victory. Now I want to say just a few things real quickly, make a few statements about this stone this morning, all right? I hope this will help you. Number one, I know Notice this about the story. The stone was chosen. The stone was chosen. Now look at our Bibles, if you will. Uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40. The Bible says, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. Look at verse 49. The Bible says, and David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone. Here's my point, church. David made it a point to personally Choose the stone. I noticed something else too, preacher. That David made a turn away from the armor and made a turn to the rock. Did you know Jesus said, you shall perish 
except you all repent. Repentance, repentance. Now, repentance is, somebody says, preacher, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna turn over a new leaf. I'm gonna, you know, straighten my life out. That's not repentance. But I'll tell you what's repentance. Repentance is, repentance is a change of mind. That's what repentance is. Repentance is, repentance is coming to a point in your life when you say, if I keep going the direction I'm going, I'm gonna wind up in hell. If I keep going the direction that I've been going all these years, I'm gonna go to hell. But when you finally come to that place where you realize that you're lost without Jesus Christ and in repentance, you turn and say, you know what? My righteousness is not gonna save me. My righteousness is just filthy rags. I'm gonna have to turn uh, to him for him to say, that's what repentance is all about. And we notice that David made that choice. John chapter one, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Very simple point this morning, but this is it. If you are ever going to be born again, you've got to make the choice. You've got to make the choice. You say, Pastor, my, my uh, grandfather is a godly Baptist preacher. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. But your grandfather cannot make the decision to get born again for you. You say, Preacher, uh, my mother was a Sunday school teacher and they were charter members and my grandmother and grandfather are buried in the church cemetery and, all the, and that's all wonderful. But I'm just saying this, your grandpa cannot make a decision to trust Jesus for you and your mother cannot make a decision to trust Jesus for you. Listen, some of you young people may be sort of resting on the salvation of your mom and your dad. Your mom and your dad's salvation is not going to get you in heaven. You personally have got to make a decision to go to that rock and choose that rock and say, Lord, I'm lost. I, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I realize you've died for me and you rose again. And today I choose you as my personal Savior. We notice the stone was chosen how about this number two? I like this one. We noticed the stone was clean. I look at verse number 40. The Bible says, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones. Look where he got them from. Out of the brook. They were fresh out of the brook. You know what that tells me? The stone wasn't muddy. The stone wasn't dusty. The stone, according to the Bible, wasn't even jagged. It was smooth because it had been in the water for so long. Again, I believe this is a picture. I believe it's a type of Christ. You know, did you know that Jesus Christ, just like that stone, was clean? He was and is the sinless Son of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for it hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now you say, preacher, why are you saying that? And I'll tell you why. Because we are living in a generation that's trying to make Jesus out to be a sinner. They're trying to make the darling son of God out to be a man just like me and a man like you. Uh, they're trying to make uh, the precious son of God out to be, uh, you know what, he's got the same lust that you've got. He's got the same temptations you've got. He, he sinned just like you sinned. He failed just like you failed. I just came here to tell you this morning that that is not right. That is not true. He was and is the ever-living, sinless lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I don't mean to get too excited about that, but I'm gonna tell you what, buddy? We need to get excited about that. Listen, if Jesus Christ had a sin penalty to pay of his own, he could not pay yours. Let me give you some scripture. 1 Peter 3, 18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, 
that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Let me give you some scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live in the righteousness by whose, by whose stripes ye are healed. Somebody says, preacher, Jesus was a sinner like everybody else. You better hope not. Because if he was, we're on our way to hell. Brother Rick's a good guy. He really is. I appreciate him, Miss Mary. They rode with me this week to, to meet him. And we had a good time of fellowship. Let's just say that, that uh, I walk into the restaurant one night, Brother Ricky and Miss Mary are in the restaurant. And uh, they're there before we are. They order their meal, and, and their meal comes up to thirty-six fifty. And, uh, and then my wife and I sit down, and, and ours comes up to $36.50. And Brother Ricky says, Preacher, I want to take care of your, your check for you. We had some folks that did that for my mom and dad this week, by the way. Well, I appreciate that. But I want to take care of your bill. He looks in his wallet, and all he has is $36.50. That's all he has. Wait a minute now. His bill is $36.50. My bill is $36.50. And all he has in his wallet is $36.50. You know what that tells me? He can't pay both. He can't pay both. Now, if he walks out of the restaurant and doesn't pay his bill, he's going to get in trouble. And so he must pay his bill before he can pay my bill. Did you know that Jesus Christ came to this earth? He didn't have a bill to pay. He was the sinless son of God. You see, he had never lied, never stole, never lusted, never sinned like some college professors want you to believe. He was the darling, the sinless son of God and thank God Jesus came and took my sin penalty. He took my payment, if you will, and put that on himself and went to the cross and died so I could go to heaven. Listen, we got to hurry this morning, but let me, get, let, me, let me give you an illustration that I give at Bible school. Let's say I'm heading down Indian Hill Road. It's 45 mile per hour zone on Indian Hill Road. I'm doing 90. Brother Terry is wherever he is. Brother Terry, he's taking BLET right now. And so let's just say he's graduated. And he's in his cruiser. He's going that way. I'm going this way. I'm going 90. It's 45 mile per hour zone. All of a sudden, whew, turns on that blue light, does that bootleg around. He comes out and gets in behind me. Now, because he loves me, he's going to let me go. Amen. And uh, now, wait a minute now. The policeman comes, the trooper comes, he walks to the to the, 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 the window, he's visibly shaken. He says, Sir, do you know how fast you were going? Well, I, you know, I was in a hurry. I, you know, make make 10 minutes. I had somewhere to go, I had somewhere to be. He says, Can I see your license and registration? I give him my license and registration. He said, Boy, Mr. Pope, for being a pastor, you're not setting a very good example. He said, you were way over the speed limit. And he said, I'm going to write you a ticket. And he takes out his uh, citation pad and he writes me a ticket for $500. He says, Mr. Pope, you will pay this citation now or you're going to jail, my friend. Man, I look in my wallet. <laughs> me and President Washington, we're good friends, amen? I say, Officer, I don't have any. I, I, I've got $5 in my wallet. I don't have 500. He said, sir, would you step out of the car? Would you step out of the car? I get out of the car. He said, would you put your hands behind your back? I place my hands behind my back. He begins to put handcuffs on me. 
All of a sudden, one of our church members comes by. They see the light. They went, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. That's, that's preacher. They pull their car over abruptly and they hop out. And, uh, and they say, officer, what in the world's going on? And the officer says, well, uh, is that you know this man? Yeah, he's my pastor. Well, your pastor was doing 90 mile an hour in a 45 mile, a mile per hour zone. And he's going to jail. It's a $500 ticket. He's going to jail. He gets ready to put me in the back of that cruiser. And one of our church members says, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute, officer. Wait a minute. Yeah. I know he done wrong. Yeah. I know he deserves to go to, go to jail. Yeah. I know he deserves handcuffs. I know he deserves to, to pay the penalty. But wait a minute, wait a minute. He's my pastor. He's my preacher. He's been my pastor for a long time. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. And all of a sudden he reaches for that wallet and he pulls out five 100 crisp dollar bills and he says, listen, I'm gonna pay his payment so he can go free. I wanna tell you what, hallelujah. That's exactly what Jesus Christ done for me. Listen, I deserved to go to hell. I deserved to pay my penalty but thank God Jesus stepped out of eternity and came as the sinless son of God and he took my citation and he took my ticket and thank God with his precious blood as it rolled down the cross of Calvary he paid my penalty once and for all brother man Lord's helping us this morning isn't he the stone was chosen the stone was clean, but how about this, church? I thought about this, number three. The stone was carried close. Did y'all notice that? Look at verse number 40 again. The Bible says in verse 40, and he took his staff in his hand. And the Bible says he chose him five smooth stones out of, the, out of the brook. But wait a minute, church, he didn't leave them in the brook. He didn't set them on the bank. The Bible says he chose them out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had and then it says even in a scrip now what was that well it would be like you saying my wallet you ladies have a purse but then a lot of times in your purse you have a wallet the reason you don't just throw all your credit cards in your purse <laughs> is because you know what happens you can't find stuff in there Am I right? The reason you don't just throw your license in your purse is because it gets mixed in with the chewing gum wrappers and it gets mixed in with, uh, you know, with the hand sanitizer and it gets mixed in with the chapstick. And, and, and you know what you do? You take that license or you take that credit card and you put those in a wallet. You know why? So you'll know exactly, oh, this is good this morning. So you'll know exactly where they are when you need it. Did you know that David didn't take those stones and just set them off somewhere? David said, I'm going to put this stone close because I know in just a little bit I'm going to need this. I'm going to need this rock. How many know a lot of Christians take the stone and they just sort of set him off somewhere? And they say, Lord, I'll tell you what you do. You just wait over in that room and I'll tell you what, if I need you, uh, we'll give you a buzz. Don't call us, we'll call you. When what we ought to be doing is saying, God, stay close to me. Lord, I want to put you in my wallet. God, I want to put you right here in my pocket. I want you close. Oh, God, I want you close. And listen, I, I want to tell you this morning, in case you don't know it, listen, it could be that you're going to need that stone very, very soon. Amen, Sister Kathy. As she stood at the graveside yesterday and sang two songs, 
is we had a memorial service for her husband. I couldn't be more couldn't be more proud of her. I'm just telling you, thank God. If everything's going great and you're footloose and fancy free, hallelujah. And I'm just telling you, it couldn't be before long that something's going to happen and you're going to need that rock. Some of you remember years ago, it's been a long time now. We had evangelist Jerry Whitehart here at our church. He was uh, preaching for us on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night. I never get to sit with Miss Tammy. She sits at the piano, I'm preaching. It's been that way for 26 years. But when we have a when we have a special speaker, we enjoy sitting together. Jerry Whitehart was preaching that day, and, and that's back when we had our old pews and we had the hardwood floor. And I went down here, Miss Tammy was sitting right about where Miss Jennifer is, and I sat right beside her. We started the service, had a great song service, but the Whitehart came to the pulpit. He was beginning to tell us where to go in the scriptures and just sort of meeting with the folks. And all of a sudden, my wife drops her Bible flat down on the floor. We had hardwood floors, and so it's like that. Being the loving husband I was, I thought, honey, what are you doing, you know? When I turned around to look to see why she may have dropped her Bible, she was stiff back in the seat, eyes rolled back in her head, seizure. We had never seen that. We never, we, we never had anything like that in our family. My wife's in a full-blown seizure. Man, I mean, scared me to death. Y'all, some of you were in the service. I just scooped her up in my arms. I ran out that door right there. We rushed her out to the van. I threw her in the van, and I sped all the way to Ireland Memorial Hospital. Had we not had an experienced man of God here that day, that whole service would have been totally lost. We got to the hospital, and... Long story short, seizure after seizure after seizure after seizure after seizure. Medication after medication after medication after medication. Nothing seemed to work. Driving privileges gone. Not able to drive a car. You know what, you know what church, you know, you know what that taught us at the Pope house? We better make sure we got the rock pretty close by. Because we might need him. We might need him. Some of you remember the story, by the way. We, I mean, listen, seven days in the epileptic unit there in Baptist Hospital and uh, looked like two million leads on her head and, uh, and uh, medications that alter your personality and just all kind of things and doctor after doctor after doctor and she finally comes to me. She says, honey, it ain't working. It ain't working. It's not working. She said, listen, why don't we do this? She said, why don't you just anoint me with oil and just call the church? And have the church come around and just pray for me. And so we did. We brought my wife up here. I anointed her with all. Our church came around. We prayed and cried and called out to God. Hey, man, wait a minute now. I'm not saying that God always does it like this, but not a seizure sense. Not a seizure sense. Not a seizure sense. Why? I'll tell you why. Because thank God that rock is right there close. He's right there close. Listen, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're getting ready to face, but I just came here today to challenge you this. You better keep the stone close by. We didn't know we were going to need that stone when my mom turned 80. When my sweet little petite mama turned 80. And she had an issue. And she went to the doctor and the doctor said, Miss Pope, I'm sorry you have cancer. 80 years old. Mama's having, having cancer surgery. I remember going over to the hospital that day and they were getting her, getting her prepped. I remember going there and praying with mom. Mom had a peace. Boy, can I tell you why? My mom didn't just have a staff. Brother, she had a stone. And she kept that stone close by. 
Listen, where, where, where's, your, where's your rock at today? We're done. we got to be done. Can I ask you a question? You know what I thought about this week, preacher? Are we as concerned about where our rock is as where our remote control is? Are we as concerned about where our stone is as where our cell phone is? We lose that cell phone. I mean, we're, it's panic attack time. But yet a lot of times we don't even know where God is. We've went days not talked to him, days without telling him we love him, days without reading his love letter. We noticed the stone was carried close. Let's bring this thing to a close, last of all. We noticed the stone caused a consecration. Would you look at verse 15? We're done. The Bible says, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. You know what I thought about Calvary? This stone set David apart from the rest of the world. Do you know that? He stood out. <laughs> you know why? Because here their giant, here their champion was dead. And here's this little boy that's got a stick in his hand and a rock. You don't think that stood out? No armor, no helmet, no spear, no sword, just a rock. And it made him stand out. It consecrated him. And I said that say this. Did you know today that stone ought to consecrate you? Did you know if you really know Jesus Christ today, it ought to consecrate your talk? It ought to consecrate your dress? Wait a minute. I can't dress like all the rest of the world. Why? Because I have a stone. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I can't talk like the rest of the world, like the rest of the guys at work. I can't. Why? I have a stone. You see, that stone sets me apart. That stone makes me want to have a different kind of marriage than the world. That stone makes me want to be faithful to the house of God. That stone makes me want to have a different attitude and a different spirit. That stone, that, that's why, that's why we can go into work on a Monday morning and everybody else is like, it's Monday. And we walk in going, whoa. And they're like, man, what in the world's wrong with you? I got a rock, brother. I got a rock. I got a rock. And by the way, his name is Jesus. Aren't we having a good time in God's house this morning? Have you chosen that stone? Have you ever chosen? That rock did not jump out of the brook into David's bag. He had to, he had to consciously choose it himself. Have you chosen the stone? If you're here this morning and you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved and going to heaven, today, not tomorrow, not tonight, this morning, you need to make a decision to choose the stone. And that stone is Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. We've had a good time today. Thank you for time around the word. God, I feel like maybe there's somebody here this morning that needs to come to Jesus. Lord, it could be there's somebody here this morning that does not know for sure that they're on their way to heaven. Oh, Lord, Help them not to leave lost. Lord, that's what this church is all about. That's what this service is all about. And God, today I pray that you'd help them to come. 
and let us introduce them to the greatest friend they'll ever have. His name is Jesus. He's that stone cut out without hands. He's that cornerstone. He's that, that rock that the church is built upon. And God, I pray today that you'll help us to find Jesus. Have thy way in the invitation, please. And we thank you in Christ's name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And uh, the pianist is going to play. Let me ask just a question real quickly. I wonder, first of all, how many, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder how many here today would say, Pastor, I'm going to be honest. If I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am saved. I know that I'm born again and on my way to heaven. If you can honestly say that between you and Jesus, would you just slip your hand up? You can take it right back down. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Wonderful. So let me ask the second question. I wonder if there may be one here today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't do that at Calvary. I'm not going to come back and try to drag you down an aisle. I've never done that. But I tell you what I would like to do. I'd like to pray for you. And I'd like to ask the Lord Jesus to work in your heart. And so I wonder if there may be one here anywhere today, the front or the back, maybe a young person or an older person, and you'd say, Pastor, I'm getting ready to be honest. If I died today, I'm not 100% sure about heaven. And Pastor, I want you to remember me. Just pray for me. God knows you pray for me. And right now, you'd slip your hand up. Let me remember you. Can I pray for you? God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, young lady. God bless you, young lady. Thank you so much. Is there another here this morning? Preacher, if I died right now, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. You know what would be in order, I think, is some of our Calvary folks start making their way to the altar and just praying. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go. I'm just not sure. I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Is there another anywhere like that right now? You slip your hand up. Pastor, pray for me. I want to know. I want to know. So here's what we're going to do. Folks are already making their way to the altar. In just a moment, we're going to stand. And we're just going to, just for a few moments, we're just going to keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. But if you're here today and you raised your hand and you said, Pastor, I am not sure about salvation. I'm not sure about heaven. Here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to come. Pastor's going to be here in the front. I'm going to ask Brother Brandon if he'll just stand over here to, to on the piano side and Brother Looney is right over here on the organ side. And if Pastor's busy, then these men are here. They're here for you. I want you to come to one of them. But I want you to come. Listen, if you raise your hand, it's evident God's dealing with your heart this morning. So why don't you do this? Man, let's get it nailed down today. Let's do that, church. Let's do it. Let's all stand quietly all over the house this morning. Heavenly Father, we're in need right now. God, I pray that you'd help us keep that stone close, carried close. I pray that stone would consecrate us and Help us to have a different life. But God, today I pray that especially if there's somebody here this morning and they haven't chosen Jesus, oh Lord, 
I'm so glad they're here. Help today to be the day that they'll choose Christ. God, help them to come. I know, I know it can be intimidating, but Lord, help them to realize that if they'll take that first step of faith, you'll help them with the second one. Lord, help us today, please. Please, please, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The pianist is going to continue to play. Folks are in the altar. Folks are praying. I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And if you need to choose Christ today, I want you to come. While we wait, while we wait, listen, step out and make your way down. Step out. Make your way down right now. Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? I'm going to meet you down here in the front. You're here this morning. You raised your hand. There you go. Good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You pray for these folks that are coming this morning. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, Calvary, this is what we've been praying for. This is what we've been praying for. Folks are still getting help around the altar this morning. Listen, if you're here this morning and there's an issue about heaven with you, why don't you come and let us take God's word and show you I know, listen, somebody right now, I guarantee it, somebody right now, their heart is beating out of their chest. And they're saying, I don't know, preacher, if I should come. And the answer is, yes, you should come. You say, preacher, I'm I'm scared to death. Okay, I'll tell you what you do then. I'll tell you what you do. Why don't you ask the person beside you if they'll come with you. And I promise you, they'll come. And just come on down here and let us take the Bible and help you this morning. So I'm going to ask my wife to play through another stanza, another stanza. If you need to come, we're here for you. You come this morning while we wait. I can tell on the clock back there. We, we usually get out around 1230. But you know what, Calvary? If God starts working, we'll just leave. When God says leave, I feel like there could be one last person that needs to respond. And so we're going to extend this invitation one more stanza just for you. If you need to come, the altar's open. This is it. This is your stanza. I'm going to be here in the front. If I can help you, you come today while we went. 